Oh man, I just love it out here on this uh, fishing boat. Hey buddy boy, throw me that anchor so we can uh, put the boat right here. Uh, this is going to be a good spot for us to do some fishing. Yeehaw! Hey, speaking of anchors, by the way, if you guys want to make an amazing podcast, all you got to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeehaw! Hey, buddy, give me a beer so I can drink this. With a, ho, 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 this is some good stuff here. Yeehaw! Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Pitching Popcorn with Brent and Tori. In this week's episode, episode number four, we're going to do a December Rewind, reviewing all the big movies from Netflix last December. Bring it on, folks! I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. So did you have a, a super fantastic day? I did. You know what I you know what I did today? What? I tested negative for COVID. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> did you take four hours to go get the free the I, I noticed we could use four hours to go do the uh whatever, like the booster. Oh shoot. No, I didn't. Um but no, you know what I on New Year's Eve, um I was hanging out, there was a group of four of us and two two people have tested positive, so I figured I better go check. And oh my god. I'm in the, I'm in the clear, I think wow but Man. but yeah it's been a, it's been a while since we've been together the holidays have passed i feel like it's been like a month i know it's only been, it's only been three weeks but yeah you went south and i went north did you have a good time i had a great time yeah i went to florida met my niece got a little bit of a tan so pretty happy nice very nice did you and build I, a snowman we tried you know um <laughs> We didn't get as much snow as we had hoped for. There were um, two days where there was a little bit of snow. And then um, the the first day, of course, uh, Madison was really excited. Uh, my nine-year-old, she was really excited and wanted to go out. And, um, and then we ended up going the second day when we got a little bit more snow. Uh, but with... Um, the way that the snow came, it wasn't the type that you can really build a snowman with. It was, yeah, it was tough, yeah. man. We spent, we I know, spent. I know what you're time. saying. Yeah. And, 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 and it's almost like I was building a big, a big hill of snow and I was trying to shape it into, you know, <laughs> to, trying to shape three, um, uh, big balls out of it and it just didn't work and uh, and then Madison was getting frustrated I just don't have enough experience building a snowman I, and I feel bad about that I mean to but I you know not coming from a, a, a town where it snows much at all but but still it's like as a dad you want to be able to build a good snowman you know yeah I blame I blame the snow it's not it's not you Brent but yeah. so you're so you're in you live in Texas, but you were on vacation in Wisconsin, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got a ton of snow here. If you ever want to come visit, oh. I mean, I, in Michigan, we got lots of snow. How much snow did you get? I think we have about two feet on the ground right now. Do you really? Yeah. Oh it's <laughs> insane. Um, yeah. I remember uh, I've been to a few places in Michigan, not in the area that you're in, but well, actually, I have been to uh, the D Detroit area before. Um, there was um, uh, my wife, Melissa, had a, uh, a friend that got married in Detroit. And so we went to the wedding there and uh, I made it to um, what is it? The uh, M&M uh, 
the not not you went to mom's spaghetti no no i did not go to spaghetti (laughs) that's fairly new isn't it yeah i haven't been there yet well no this was a long food truck (laughs) um it was um eight mile i I found uh eight mile right i think we passed it on an interstate or something i don't know i hope it was the right eight mile (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it was there's only one great yeah a great movie um what was it as beautiful as he imagined it to be oh well you know i was a little i mean of course this wasn't this particular visit this was many years back um i want to say this was probably mm, if i had to guess it would have been 2009 2010 time frame when when we were in the detroit area um but we've also been to calumet michigan we've been to houghton michigan um and uh i guess that's about it have oh, you that's pretty cool you've been all through everywhere uh, i mean up in the up and stuff not really i actually just went to the upper peninsula for the first time in my life last year so oh. <laughs> got a lot got left a lot left to explore here very cool very cool well, um, where we went is probably about 30 minutes or 40 minutes outside of Green Bay. And oh, cool. uh, yeah, there's a couple of ways you can go. You can either go through um, St. Louis and Chicago, or you can go through Rockford and Milwaukee and stuff like that. So, um, but we've been to quite a few places in, um, in Wisconsin. And then have you been to the Dells, the Wisconsin Dells? No. I also just recently went to Wisconsin for the first time, went to a wedding in Milwaukee a couple months ago. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. But that's as far as I got. Well, um, we, we've been to the Dell. Are you familiar with the Dells? I've heard the name before. I don't really know what they are. Okay. (laughs) What are they? Well, funny story. So, so I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and there was a, there's a water park called Wild River Country in Little Rock. Right. And then there's Mm -hmm. another uh, water park slash uh, amusement park in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's called Magic Springs, and so I remember a long time ago, I was, uh, I was, uh, I didn't know anything about the Dells either, right? And I was bragging mm. how awesome Magic Springs and um, Waterbury <laughs> was, right? And and Melissa was like, "No, it has nothing on the Dells." And so the way <laughs> that I, could, I don't have you ever been to Branson, Missouri? I have, yeah. Oh, have you really? Okay. So um, imagine Branson, Missouri on acid. I mean, I've that never. That sounds too wild acid. for me. I've never taken <laughs> it, right? The only thing I can think of is seeing a movie where maybe people, I don't know, I'm thinking, uh, what was that? Uh, um, oh, they weren't even on acid. They were on heroin, I think. It was um, the Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Do you know what that movie I'm talking about? Train Spotting? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I can't even think of it. Was were they on? What were they on in Pulp Fiction? Do you remember that? Was that that was heroin as well? I think wasn't it? I'm not. I don't. Know. Anyway, if you can imagine what whatever, uh, if you can imagine what Branson is like, and then just imagine that being a thousand times crazier than Branson. And okay. so the Wisconsin Dells. Has... I thought it was a family vacation destination. The Dells. Well, okay, it is. It is a family. Destination. <laughs> and they don't they don't give kids acid there i'm not trying to give that impression but what they what they do is they have i mean it's a town you know how branson has 
just everything you can imagine everywhere. It's got what the, um, oh, uh, it's got, what's the name of that? Uh, did you, did you, have you ever been to Paschetti's, the no. restaurant? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there's a really cool restaurant, but it's got this really cool, um, like uh, spaghetti, huge spaghetti thing right outside the front of the restaurant. Wow, we're seven minutes in. We've already talked about spaghetti twice today. This I know. We <laughs> must, well, it's dinner time, right? I think, you know, it's dinner time. So, uh, well, anyway. Sorry, I'll but they have, they have a great, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Great spaghetti place in Branson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so have you been to the Titanic in Branson? No. Okay, how so. long ago was it? Were you there? When were you were there? A couple of years ago. Okay. Have you been to Silver Dollar City? Oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. So, um, so Wisconsin Dells is... Best amusement park except for Cedar Point. Cedar Point. See, I don't know about <laughs> Cedar Point. Do they have a... Are Do you have... Um, what is it? Uh, Great Wolf Lodge? Is there a Great Wolf Lodge at Cedar Point? Or... Anyway, I don't know, I don't know that is. The, the craziest wild, I'll tell you how, how crazy um, the Dells is. If you've ever watched one of those uh, TV shows where it talks about the best water parks in the world, I mean, this is how embarrassed I was. I was like, no, Melissa, water country is the best ever. And she's like, no, nah, no, you're way off. And then, so I watched one of those shows that talks about the best water parks and amusement parks in the world. And so I'm like looking at 25, 24, 23. And I'm telling you, Wisconsin Dells is the number one pick. I mean, just craziness. Uh, water park. We've been there in the summer and we've been there in the winter, but they have indoor water parks. And inside this huge complex is not only the indoor water park, but it's also um, they've got the amusement park stuff with the Ferris wheel. They've got the... Um, where you're climbing the rope swings and stuff and you're, and you're zip lining and they've got a bowling alley and restaurants and just, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. So anyway, <clears throat> that's the Wisconsin Dells, but <laughs> getting back, we got kind of off topic there. I, I, I'll, tr I'll try to go someday. Um, I probably won't yeah. do acid while I'm there though, but okay. good to know. Right. Thank you. Good there notes. You go. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I had a great time right. last time I was in Wisconsin. So, okay. Hey, you know, <laughs> and you've got to get an old fashioned when you go to Wisconsin. Now for you now is the Manhattan, is that from your New York days or is that like a Michigan drink? I just, I like to drink Manhattans because it just pays homage to my New York days. But yeah, I've heard, I've heard they have good Wisconsin. And when we were in Milwaukee, I had, uh, Bloody Mary that was like a full-on meal and it was amazing <laughs> it had cheese curds and bacon and um, like an entire jerky stick in it um, and yeah it was great right right I, I saw something like that when we were in Green Bay just this it was probably a $30 drink I there was somebody sitting next to us and it was massive Bloody Mary and it, I think it had pretzels and burgers on it and uh, I just craziness i didn't order that one but i did get the fishbowl uh and, and that was really good fishbowl was really good um but anyway uh we're getting back to the show here hello and welcome to another exciting episode of pitching popcorn with brent and tori and today we're doing episode number four called the december rewind in which we will review all of the big movies from netflix last month and we have selected six top picks to review. Uh, 
And we even have a very special guest speaker for one movie in particular. So stay tuned. And without further ado, uh, let me formally introduce my partner in crime, <clears throat> my cool movie loving friend from work, a saleswoman of all sorts, a gal from the North, South, East, and maybe someday from the West. She's <laughs> going to go to L.A. at some point. I don't know if she'll move there. But none other than the victoriously SNL fan waiting for her dream job at 30 Rock, spelled T-O-R-Y. Don't try to spell it with an I. You'll get, you'll get in trouble like I did one time. Here she is, Tori. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. All right, so we are um, talking about our some of the biggest movies that came out on Netflix during the month of December. This was um, tough because there are there were a couple movies that came out before December, like Tick Tick Boom, that was great. Um, and so we're not discussing it because it didn't come out in December. So watch it, watch it yourself. Let us know what you think. Um, but so we'll we'll go ahead and dive in here. Um, I just was thinking about you know, Netflix and how far it's come, you know, to be having all these big movies. And, um, did you, use to, did you ever subscribe to the DVD mail-in Brent I, with Netflix? Yes. Yes. I did too. I do remember those days. Um, I remember when they would mail you one DVD at a time <laughs> and then they, like you had to pay a little bit extra to get, you know, two DVDs at a time. And then they progressively just grew and grew and grew, you know, yeah. and um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually did some, um, I know you, you know, you picked out this particular topic for this episode. And mm -hmm. in my research, I found some really cool information about Netflix um, that, that uh, I, I had no idea. Um, for those that may not know, Netflix was founded in 1997 by Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph in a small California city called Scotts Valley in Santa Cruz County. And Reed has said the idea was sparked by a $40 fine he got for renting the movie Apollo 13 from uh, Blockbuster Video. And so what happened, he actually returned the movie six weeks late and got got charged this huge $40 fine. And so that's what spawned the idea, right? And when it first opened, like you were saying, it was purely a movie rental service, except um, like you're saying, you didn't rent it at the store, you got it through the mail. And so the users ordered movies on the Netflix website and received the DVDs in the regular postal mail. It's so weird to say that, because now that <laughs> You know, people just don't see, you don't see the cards and the letters like you did so long ago. Yeah. And when, when they were finished with them, they would simply mail them back in the, uh, to Netflix and the envelopes provided. And today Netflix streams movies and has more than 150 million paid subscribers in over 190 countries around the world. Wow. And you know what? That's one of my dreams has been to travel to all 50 states. I want to say I've probably been to 42, 43 of them. Right. Oh, pretty good. But yeah. And so I wanted to achieve that before I turned 50 <laughs> and I'm 46 now. So I've got a short amount of time to get get some. But um, the remaining ones are uh, like Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Minnesota. Mm. And then I think uh, Rhode Island and Vermont, maybe a couple of those. Yeah. 
What about you? Have you, have you had, you've had an opportunity to travel overseas. I think I recall that. Is that right? I have. I've been to a couple of places overseas, um, Germany and Ireland. Um, wow. And, you know, but my, my United States travel is, is lacking. I don't have, I don't have anything on you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I kind of, you know, the advantage I had was growing up with my mom and she traveled with work a lot and had a lot of conferences in different towns and things like that. And so um, she had really had no choice but to take me with her on those trips, you know, so yeah. uh, that's where I got a lot of that. <clears throat> but cool. I am jealous because um, I think, do you, do you know how many countries there are in the world now? Is it like 230? I don't know. I, I was going to guess 192. Oh, is it 192? Okay. I Man, it's just amazing to imagine that many different countries around the world. I'm just not as familiar with it. Um, but um, what's interesting, though, uh, mentioning different countries. 195. <clears throat> I just checked Okay. It. 195. Okay, good. Well, um, I had, um, I actually had an opportunity to visit um one of my cousins in St. Louis, when we were coming back home, he lives in St. Louis. But when he was growing up, he actually lived in Egypt for a while. Um, his, his dad worked for a company that uh, uh, put, uh, put their family and, and uh, his brothers and, and, and their mom in, in Egypt. And, and then what's even more crazy about that is that uh, my oldest cousin on that side of the family he actually does these archaeological digs in Egypt six months out of the year. And so he got his degree in, I think it was uh, Egyptology uh, in Chicago. And mm -hmm. so he's been half the year in Chicago, but now he lives in France uh, six months out of the year and still goes to, uh, to Egypt. Uh, so I don't know. Hopefully I'll be able to, to go visit him at some point. But anyway, back to Netflix. Um, it offers a wide range of TV series, documentaries, and feature films across a wide variety of genres and languages, including original productions. And believe it or not, Blockbuster had the opportunity to partner with Netflix or even buy the company out, but they never did. So this is actually what I would call one of the biggest oops ever. Back in the year 2000, <laughs> The Netflix CEO and co-founder, Reed Hastings, approached Blockbuster about a partnership. And unfortunately for Blockbuster, their CEO just smiled and laughed at him. And Blockbuster had a chance to purchase Netflix for $50 million. Um, and I think currently Netflix has around 857,000 registered Netflix accounts. All right, so just a little tidbit of fun information about Netflix so I'm glad you chose this particular topic because they do have some amazing movies on there. And let's get to what we've all been waiting for, Tori. Can you please share with our listeners the first movie that we'll be reviewing today? All right. So the first movie that we'll be reviewing is called Don't Look Up. This came out on Christmas Eve um, and it's a Netflix original, uh, Netflix original production starring Oscar winners Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, so they've definitely come a long way since mailing out DVDs to creating their own content with uh, two Oscar winners here. This is actually the first time that we have seen Jennifer Lawrence in two freaking years. Um, so I have really missed her. She's one of my favorites. And the premise of this movie is that uh, a PhD doctoral student at Michigan State University discovers that a meteor is on course to collide with Earth and will destroy humanity and all of life on our planet in six months' time. 
This is this is confirmed by her professor, played by Leo, and the two set out on a journey to convince the world to do something about it before it's too late. It turns out for them that this task is not as straightforward as they would expect as they petition the government, media, celebrities, and big business for help, only to find that each of these entities ends up using their information that they have for their own political game. This entire plot is meant to serve as a parody for our current social climate, forcing us to ask the questions of how do we collectively respond in a crisis, uh, how do we know what to believe, and then how do these things change us? My favorite part of the movie is the personal journey that each of these two main characters take along the way, uh, because it takes this kind of like big explosive idea of this plot about the earth ending um, and this global crisis. And it makes it really personal to these two characters and the challenges that they go through. Uh, so both of these characters are challenged to think about who they are and how they need to respond in the moment. The ending of this movie is really great too. Uh, so admittedly um, I will confess that I'm, like chronically bad at guessing how movies are going to end. <laughs> um, uh, but this movie um, ended in a way that I did not expect. Um, so uh, no spoilers. I'm really trying not to spoil things anymore for you guys. <laughs> um, but, um, but they didn't go easy on us. And I really respected that choice um, in the screenplay. Um, throughout the, throughout this whole movie, there were amazing performances by the rest of the cast. Um, so Meryl Streep is in it, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, Tyler Perry, and Kate Blanchett are all there. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is probably my favorite character. He plays this kind of like burnout evangelical kid <laughs> um, who shows up right at the end, but it makes a huge impact on the story. Um, so I love that. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, recommend seeing it, um, but definitely audiences are polarized both I found that just in my friend circle and people I've talked to in real life about it and even reviews I've read online some people think it's amazing and some people think it's it's absolute garbage um I will admit even though I liked it there were a couple parts that were like kind of cringy and a little over the top um and you know frankly just a little preachy which I don't love um <laughs> but but overall um definitely enjoyed it oh good <clears throat> well, I remember, um, I remember when I went to see this one, um, luckily it was, it was showing at the theater, the only theater that we have here in the town that I live in. <laughs> and I remember telling you about it and you were like, what, how did you see this already? Because, uh, the advertisements were saying that it was going to be on Netflix and it actually came out to the theaters for a short period of time before it was released on Netflix, but I am one of those uh, viewers that had kind of the opposite uh, viewpoint of what you had. Um, I've, I've tried to watch it a second time. The, <laughs> the first time I was, I was really, I was really disappointed, you know, um, and I, maybe I just didn't understand, or maybe I don't like the political aspect of it, or maybe I don't like the, um, the dread that, that comes along, you yeah. know, with the expectations. I don't know what exactly it was, but, um, I tried to give it a second chance the other night on Netflix and um, I just, oh, I have the same opinion. <laughs> I've read the, I've read the, the, the reviews like you have, and I've seen that there are a lot of people that love this movie and there are a lot of people that don't. So it's really kind of uh, really, at, you know, at your own discretion. Of what, <laughs> what, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on blast for a second, Brent, because his Brent's notes for this movie after he first saw it were, even the even the popcorn was bad 
at this point. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It, uh, yeah, it really, it, I mean, it really uh, just, you know, some of the things that happen in that movie um, and, you know, it's like Jonah Hill's character in there. Oh my gosh, that guy, he is the rudest, uh, ru- most ruthless person you can ever imagine. Uh, there's a, an example where he's uh, talking to uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character. Is it uh, Dabyski? Is that her last name? Kate. I think it's Dibiaski. Dibiaski. Okay, Dibiaski. Okay. Yeah, hard last name to pronounce there. Um, but uh, there's there's one particular scene where uh, she's kind of uh, he's kind of bullying her and not including her, and uh, he's got her in this uh, in this room where. Uh, she she says that she needs to go to the restroom, and he says he's gonna he'll he'll uh, get some newspaper and leave it in there for her. And then just before that, uh, he throws some water bottles on the floor to them. Doesn't even have the common courtesy to hand them some water bottles. It just throws it on the floor, and it's just like you know. But I mean, that's your Jonah Hill for you. I, I will say there are movies that I like him in. Yeah, but this one I could not stand the guy. I mean, yeah. he is playing a, a real jerk in the movie, yeah. <laughs> and he's he, he nails it. <laughs> right, he did nail the jerk. Sure, so I guess that's uh, uh, a great actor for you to be able to nail the jerk. Yeah. But I don't think it's too far off from his real personality. I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, well, did you? See how it, it, mm-hmm. What'd you say? Oh, I think I saw him on Jimmy Fallon or something, and he had this long curly hair, and he was like bleached, and he just looks like uh, he he just looks like he doesn't really know who he is. I don't know. Yeah. Is he trying to find himself? Are we thinking? Has he not found himself yet in I his life? I did see Jonah Hill on the street once in New York. Yeah, I did see. I did see that. Um, I saw a. I, I think it was on. It may have been on your Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a. It was a much thinner version of him. I think when you. So what happened when you when you saw him? Um, not much. He was surrounded. He had two really hot girls on either side of him. He did not make eye contact with me. <laughs> he didn't. That was that. I took a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my memory um but yeah he's he's probably the most famous person i've ever seen um but one one thing about this movie that kind of was like a soft spot for me too was um they make a lot of so i'm from michigan um i went to the university of michigan which you know public school here and i feel like in this movie they like so the two scientists are from michigan state university and everyone is like ripping on them throughout the entire movie from being from a state school. <laughs> and um, I think from like living on the East Coast, I felt like it was such a fun, like people really are like that. It's like very different. It's when you, I think when you're kind of in that world, there is like kind of a value of like, where are you? you're from Michigan? Like, you know, who are, who are you? Like, well, you didn't go to Ivy League school. Um, so I thought that was really funny and it's kind of caricatured and like a, a repeated joke, but, um, it's also kind of real. <laughs> so uh-huh. I appreciate that they showed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well now what did you think about Leonardo DiCaprio's character in this movie? Because this is really something that's totally different from what he's ever done. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I was trying I was trying to think through that because I feel like that's true of a lot of the characters. I don't think Jennifer Lawrence has ever played a character like this. Uh-huh. I don't I don't think Timothy Chalamet has ever played a character like this, Meryl Streep either. Um, but yeah, I think I thought it was it was fun to see Leonardo DiCaprio like this because he's not like he's not confident or suave or like in control of the room. Um, and so, yeah, that was cool to see him kind of play more of a meek character. Yeah. Yeah. He is kind of uh, kind of a nerdy character in this in this film. Right. Yeah. And then Jennifer Lawrence. <clears throat> She's kind of uh, kind of uh, a unique character as well because she uh, she's uh, kind of a um, like what would you say like an alternative pothead type character in this movie? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's still, fair. I mean, still, you know, I, I just I don't know. And now is um, uh she she did have a different yeah definitely played a different character in this one as well um and you know would you believe it or not i don't know if you're aware of this but adam mckay actually wrote the part specifically for jennifer lawrence and um adam mckay also spent about four or five months going over ideas with leonardo dicaprio uh tweaking the script before he ultimately signed on and part of the film takes place in New York city with Boston kind of standing in as New York. Uh, the movie also um, had some filming locations in other Massachusetts cities like Brockton, Framingham, Westboro. And uh, did you know that uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, was actually injured during the film? No. What happened to her? He, uh, there was a uh, kind of a uh, controlled glass explosion that kind of went awry and she was kind of mildly injured during that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also found out that Adam McKay originally planned to make the movie for Paramount Pictures before it was acquired by Netflix. And Meryl Streep and Ariana Grande were originally supposed to star on screen together in The Prom uh, 2020 film before Grande had to leave the project. Um, so those are just some interesting tidbits that I found about this particular film. Um, I certainly hope that I don't keep anyone from going to see it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've always been uh, so many different actors and actresses in this film. And uh, like, uh, like we've seen uh, Timothy Chalamet, he's been in a lot of films that we've reviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then guess who wasn't with him in this one? Zendaya wasn't, wasn't with him, <laughs> right? What, yeah. I wonder what there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But boy, I tell you what, that's not the Meryl Streep that I'm used to seeing. That's, uh, mm-hmm. she, she really, I mean, and I don't want to, <laughs> there was something kind of surprising that, <laughs> that happened at the very end. And I just thought it was kind of hilarious. Uh, there was a, um, a a tattoo. Did you see the 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 tattoo that Meryl Streep had? I don't remember the, that part. Oh, you didn't. Oh, please tell me you stayed after the credits on this one. You know what? I didn't. <laughs> you missed. Oh man, you missed something. You totally missed something. Uh, on I'll the go. End. I'll have to go back. 
a lot of movies are doing that these days. I just watched um, Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, mm. last night. And man, I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed at the the way that they did that and how they paid homage to the original Ghostbusters. And it was just, man, it was yeah. done in such a classic way. But I know we're not supposed to talk about that one because we're talking about that. <laughs> All right. So moving on to uh, the second film uh, that we want to talk about today. Tori, can you tell our listeners about this one? Absolutely. So the next film we want to talk about is called The Unforgivable, um, starring Sandra Bullock. So here's our girl yet again. She's back and just as badass as ever. In this movie, Sandra is playing a recently released convict named Ruth, who was in prison for 20 years for one of the worst crimes you can commit, killing a cop. When we meet her, she's uh, going on a parole, living in a halfway house, and immediately uh, has begun working two jobs. As part of her parole, she's also not allowed to interact with any other felons. And this whole time, she has one singular focus, to reunite with her baby sister, Katie, who she had been caring for like her own child before she went to prison. Ruth, the main character, uh, visits the house where she used to live, and it turns out that a lawyer now lives there who agrees to help her try to reunite with her sister. Lawyer arranges a meeting uh, with Ruth and her sister's adoptive parents. Meeting does not go well, unfortunately, and the lawyer ends, ends their arrangement. Everything seems lost until Katie, the sister, her, um, her adoptive sister, learns about Ruth's existence and decides to do something about it. Um, while this is happening, the cop that Ruth killed um, now has two grown sons who know that she's out and want, want to get revenge for what's happened. And all of these complicated relationships come together, together in a very dramatic, intense final scene. Um, and Brent, I remember you texted me while you were watching this and you were like, this movie is, why is this movie such a big deal? This movie is boring. What's going on? And then the 90 minute mark comes and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> like, yeah. So just all, all of this information that's been precipitating and, and working up and simmering um, just explodes at the end. Um, and all the, all these stories that, that, um, that we've been keeping an eye on all the, all these act, all these, um, different actors, um, in the situation, uh, their stories kind of collide and it's just an explosion. It is super intense. It does take a little while to get there. Um, but once it does, um, like it's just crazy. Um, so, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that this movie is like going in the canon for me. I don't need to watch it again. Um, but I thought it was a really fun watch and like, you guys know, I love Sandra Bullock. So I, I, this is one of probably one of the roughest, roughest experience, like characters I've seen her play. Um, it kind of reminded me of, of bird box a little bit just cause it was, it's kind of a rough character. It's on Netflix. She's kind of like, uh, this kind of like rogue hero. Um, but it's just, it's darker, um, and more intense for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. I remember watching that and you're exactly right. You, you have a great memory because it's exactly that I was totally shocked. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I mean, the first hour and a half, I was totally bored with the film and then it just all of a sudden, I, I, boy, it just got better. And so you're right. It's not one that I would watch over and over again, but I would watch the second half of the film 
again over and over because that really has some great stuff in it and you're right when you say she's a badass she is a badass i mean you talk about crazy 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 character that she plays in this one and it's actually uh doing some some research on the fun facts here i found out that it is based on the 2009 british miniseries unforgiven written by sally wainwright and uh, Christopher McQuarrie uh, was hired to write the screenplay, which was being tailored for Angelina Jolie to play the lead role. Oh, I could and, see her doing that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, when, when we talk about Angelina Jolie and we talk about Sandra Bullock, there's um, it, you know, I, I was um, I remembered a movie that uh, Sandra Bullock did called The Net. Uh, that has to do with um, her identity being stolen online. And it made me think back to one of the older movies in Angelina Jolie's uh, repertoire. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one, but uh, it was, uh, I think it was called Hackers. Did you ever see that one? I've never seen that. Oh man, we're going to have to do some older movies too, because man, (laughs) there's some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, But so you've got... uh, kind of the the hackers movie and you got the net that has to do with hackers and here we are uh, where they were they were thinking about uh, putting uh, Angelina Jolie to play the lead role here so some similarities there um, I think they they didn't know exactly what they were going to call it first and then they had to kind of tweak it a little bit um, <laughs> well but... that's funny because I was going to ask you if you thought changing the title from the unforgiven to the unforgivable was like Oh yeah, Her, yeah. You know, is that you know, is that like our American mentality, or, or you know, is, what what? Why would they do that? Why would they make that subtle change? But that is a very easy explanation <laughs> that is much less deep. <laughs> right, right. Because um, you know, uh, at first when I when I when I was going through watching the first hour and a half of that movie, I was thinking that man, this thing, this movie is unforgivable. I mean, to to be as boring as <laughs> Right. Um, but then the, the, the question, that's a good question that you bring up, because um, who 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 are we talking about when we're talking about the unforgiven? You know, are we talking about Sandra Bullock's character? Are we talking about the brothers that, uh, you know, uh, there's one brother in particular that kind of takes it more seriously than the other. The other was kind of laid back and mm-hmm. uh, not wanting revenge. But there was one brother that was wanting revenge on this. And so um, who, who do you think the, the title is about? I think the title is probably about the main character, San, Sandra Bullock, because she's, I mean, I think so- society labels her as being un- unforgivable. But is it? Okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I, I'm just I guess I'm just wondering, is it the act itself? that's unforgivable or is it the character uh, as a person that's unforgivable? Right. Well, say it's the act, but then that's not how we treat people. Is it (laughs) (laughs) treated like poo poo in this movie? Right. Yeah. I mean, tough stuff. Ooh. I I did. um, On the door. I think there's somebody that's, uh, we, we have oh we have a guest host 
Um, but it's not time yet, Mrs. Guest Host. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that guest host Don't to be coming. You can come. You can come sit with us and join us. But we got to get through because we've got a special movie that we want you to talk about, and we're going to keep everybody in suspense. Uh, and and we'll kind of progress on here. <laughs> okay. Hey, you're supposed to keep everybody in suspense. Shh. Okay. So um, I wanted to also include in here in this particular movie um, that uh, Sandra Bullock uh, would also serve as a producer through her company called Fortis Films. And this film was one of the first Netflix, Netflix projects to shoot at the Canadian Motion Picture Park Studios in uh, Burnaby after Netflix established their Metro Vancouver production hub at the studios in September 2020. This was originally announced in 2010. Producer Graham King very much wanted Angelina Jolie to play Ruth Slater and hired Christopher McQuarrie to write a script tailored specifically for her. We kind of covered that. She never officially signed on, and over the next few years, the movie went through various writers and directors, including McQuarrie and Scott Frank, before stalling out. And then it went back into development in 2019. Uh, and so, wow, I am so amazed at, uh, you know, with all of these fun facts. Um, and now moving right along to our next pick, Tori, what do we have that's next on the list for our listeners? All right. So I'm very pumped about this movie. Brent, you less so. Um, we'll find a movie that you like eventually. <laughs> but um, this movie is called The Power of the Dog, um, which stars real life couple Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons. Uh, also Benedict Cumberbatch. It's set in 1925 Montana, the state you have not been to yet. Um, and there are a lot of wide, expansive shots of Montana, countryside, mountains, and just the vast nothingness that is out there. So actually a really beautiful, like vi visually very beautiful movie to watch. Uh, and the basic premise here is that these two guys, George and Phil, they're brothers and cattle ranchers, played by Plemons and Cumberbatch. They're on a cattle drive and they stop at this restaurant uh, with their crew. Um, the restaurant's owned by Kirsten Dunst's character, Rose. She's a widow living there with her teenage son. Cumberbatch's character, Phil, is really aggressive and kind of a bully, while Plemons' character, George, is more meek and gentle. George is immediately smitten with Rose and soon marries her. And so Rose and her son, uh, Peter, move back to the family ranch where they're, uh, they actually both end up being really belittled and bullied by Phil. Peter escapes and gets to go to medical school while Rose is left in the house. And she continues to be bullied by Phil um, and goes from being a complete teetotaler abstaining from alcohol to finding comfort in alcohol and literally just drinking all day, every day <laughs> to escape uh, the pain that she's going through by, by living there with, with him. Uh, her husband, though he's really sweet, uh, appears uh, to be oblivious to what's happening. Um, and she just kind of suffers in silence and everybody kind of carries on um, like it's fine. Um, and then when her son Peter comes back from medical school, he is so fed up with what's happening that he takes matters into his own hands to protect his mother. Um, so uh, it's kind of a slow burn, uh, but again, has uh, kind of an intense ending. Um, and Peter is kind of like 
he's not the narrator exactly, but the story is kind of told through his eyes and his sensitivities. Um, and so at the beginning of the movie, there's a voiceover of Peter asking this question. And he says, uh, what kind of man would I be if I didn't help my mother? And uh, I realize the irony here of me providing this analysis, but I feel like the, the big question in this movie is like, what does it mean to be, to, to be a man and to be a good man? And so with, with Rose and Peter, Rose's first husband, he dies. And then George, her new husband, he doesn't protect her from the harm that she's in um, by being bullied. And then Phil uh, is actively mean to her. Uh, but then her son, Peter, grows up and becomes a man. Um, and he does what it takes uh, to protect her. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool to see all these different characters sort of embodying these different roles and how, how they interact with one another and interact with her and kind of explore like, you know, and they're all kind of grappling with like, what does it mean for them to be a man? Um, and then the, the movie ends uh, with Peter um, having kind of, you know, protected his mother um, and he, it's his voice server as well. And he's re he's reading, quoting from the Bible and he says, uh, deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. And so I don't know, just very cool, like exploration of Peter, like figuring out who he is and, and what it means uh, for him to be a man and protect his mother. So I literally, I like a sad movie, but um, you know, I, it's just super dramatic and um, really emotional and, and gr I think great performances by all four of these actors. So I was really impressed with it. Very cool. Very cool. I tried to, I tried to watch it a few different times <clears throat> and maybe it's just, you know, I was thinking about this last night. I was, I was trying, I was questioning myself. I was like, what makes, what made, you know, I was telling you about the Ghostbusters afterlife and I was saying, <laughs> made that such an amazing movie last night. And I think it has a lot to do with when, when uh, we as a family, when we watched Corella, right? And we mm -hmm. sat in the den and we had the lights out and it was just like, that maybe the timing was right. And maybe that's what's wrong is that I'm trying to watch it when I'm not uh, <laughs> captivated, right? But I will say that it was a little slow moving in the front, but, but boy, I mean, to hear you talk about it, it sounds like it's got some great... Uh, concepts and some and some, a great storyline to it so i'm gonna probably i'm gonna have to give it another chance you know yeah. uh sure absolutely and there's uh, some suspense and some danger and yeah it's great oh, okay right well i'm definitely gonna have to see you and you even said that you know montana you're like that's the state you haven't been to so you yeah. should look at it kind of talk she's trying to throw in those sales tactics i told you <laughs> sales well, I did find, uh, doing some research on the fun facts, I did find that the film is an international co-production between New Zealand, Australia, the United Kingdom, the United States, and Canada. The Power of the Dog had its world premiere at the 78th Venice International Film Festival on September 2nd, 2021, and had special presentation screenings at the 2021 Toronto International Film Festival and Telluride Film Festival that same month. The film also played at the 52nd International Film Festival in India in November. It began, this film began uh, a limited theatrical release in the United States and the United Kingdom on November 17th, uh, prior to streaming on Netflix worldwide on December 1st. The film's limited release in Australia and New Zealand commenced early on November 11th. 
with theatrical distribution in both countries handled by transmission films prior to its Netflix release. And although Netflix does not report box, off, uh, box office grosses of its films, IndieWire estimated the film made $125,000 from 40 theaters in its opening weekend. So a great, great selection of, you know, it's in this collection of Netflix movies from December. So great choice, Tori. Um, I'm just going to have to give it another chance and hopefully our listeners will listen to your uh, excellent description of it. And I think you've really explained it well and you've got people hyped up to see it. And so moving on to the next selection, what do we have in store for our listeners next, Tori? Glad you asked. The next movie is called The Lost Daughter. And so if <laughs> The Power of the Dog is a sad movie about being a man, The Lost Daughter is a sad movie about being, <laughs> being a woman. Um, and as I said, I do love a sad movie. Um, I was particularly excited about this one because it's uh, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal in her, and it's actually her directorial debut. So uh, very excited to see that. Uh, this movie stars Olivia Coleman, who I feel like we no one knew who she was like three years ago and now she's everywhere. So I love her and she's become very beloved to a lot of people, probably be, probably for playing in The Crown mostly. Uh, but she plays a character named Leda, who's a middle-aged literature professor with two grown daughters. She's vacationing alone in the Greek islands for the summer, hoping to get some work done during her solitude. And at the beach, Leda meets a big, loud Greek-American family, including a young mother with a small daughter who reminds Leda very much of herself. She bonds with this young mo mother named Nina, who's played both very seductively and menacingly by Dakota Johnson. Leda is reminded of the joys, but the joys and also the pain of uh, being a young mother. And Leda and Nina bond over their similar circumstances, though their interaction never feels 100% safe. And as we learn more about Leda, uh, some of the worst things that she has ever done as a mother, wife, and woman, um, and we learn about her just through various flashbacks uh, throughout the film. And it feels kind of neutral at first because there's not really judgment attached to it. You just are kind of watching it. And I'm not, I'm not even sure how they do it, but they're just kind of like, you know, she does, she does kind of some bad things uh, <laughs> to her family. Um, but it's just presented in such a way where you're just like, you have a lot of empathy for why she's doing what she's doing. Um, and it's just sort of an exploration. It's not a judgment or a criticism on her. Um, but that, all kind of comes crashing down when Le Nina learns the whole truth about who she is and ends up acting out violently towards her. Um, so again, no spoilers there. Uh, but I think the best thing about this movie um, is just, it's just dripping with ambiguity. I mean, how do we feel about Leda, the main character and the things that she has done? Uh, the movie doesn't tell us what to think at all. And it doesn't even, honestly, it doesn't even really tell us her fate at the end of the movie. There's, you're like, what happened to her? Is she going to be okay? <laughs> um, but that's all sort of us up to us to interpret and decide for ourselves um, what we think has happened in the past and what will happen to her in the future. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say it's not it's not slow, um, but there's there's just so much there's so much for your own as a viewer, so much for your own um, interpretation and imagination to kind of fill in the gaps um, and sort of make sense of, of what you're seeing. Um, so I, I think that's cool whenever a movie is able to do that.
So um, if, if, if you're up for a sad one, um, big, big fan here, especially if you like Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think I, I was really impressed um, with, with the work. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. Um, I saw that this was her uh, directional debut um, and I do like her. And I believe it or not, I actually, I would say I've watched about, uh, I haven't watched the whole movie, I've watched about, I would say 45, well, probably 75% of it. I, I, but, you know, one thing I will disagree with is that I do think it was a little slow. Um, I, 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 me personally, um, but, you know, it, it really, what, what this movie does do, I will say this, is this really puts you in that vacation frame of mind, you know? Uh, because um, she is on vacation. She's on vacation by herself. She's um, a very observant to what's going on in her surroundings. And, um, and then almost at one point, I think she got a little criticized for being too observant. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, um, so, it, you know, this, um, I, I did, I want to say that um, in the, in this film, um, I got a little lost in um, there wasn't much of a transition to when it was going back to in her younger years. You mm -hmm. know, it was like it uh, I think that might have that could have been done a little bit better in in kind of uh, transitioning. And then there there's some areas there where um, I noticed uh, in one particular area where um, she notices the. Uh, uh, the girl that is over there by the, the beach all by herself. And then she kind of, um, I just noticed some, some of the, uh, the cuts were kind of uh, a little off a little bit. It, it almost looked like the main character was going to go into the ocean. And then all of a sudden I see her laying down on, uh, I don't mm. know if it, uh, on the, on the uh, sand or if it was on a, uh, like a, uh, a, uh, a beach chair or something like that. But I mean, I would, I wouldn't say anything bad about that. I just, it, it maybe it could have been done a, a little bit better in, in that, in those transitions and going back to those things that happened to her in, in her earlier years. Did you yeah. notice that at all? Or was I totally off on that? Um, I, I, th I think it was definitely some, some unique editing choices. I don't know if I would say, I don't know if I would say they're bad, but yeah, I think definitely unique. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely a different way. I mean, to to have uh, the the from the camera perspective, and um, one thing that I think that I'm kind of um, maybe a different a different uh, uh, perspective on this because I remember when. Uh, when I was in college and I was studying radio TV film as a major. And I remember one morning, early in the morning, my mom was like, what are you doing? And uh, I was watching Incredible Hulk in the Incredible Hulk, like the old Incredible Hulk on TV. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm studying. <laughs> <laughs> because what, what I started to do was I started watching movies in a different way. You know, as, as a viewer, um, that doesn't know anything about radio TV film or, or doesn't know about the camera and everything like that. You watch it as, as just a normal viewer. But after you've been kind of trained on the different camera work and things like that, you almost see it 
in a different perspective. And it's just, it's almost, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, Yeah. because you're, you're kind of overanalyzing it a little bit, but um, you know, what I thought was interesting when I was doing the fun facts or the trivia about this film is that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, said that um, Elena Ferranti, the author of the source novel, only approved the, of the film's adaptation if it would be directed by a woman. And uh, Dakota Johnson, who I think looks, looks amazing in this movie, um, she's got longer hair. Uh, she looks so much younger with longer mm-hmm. hair than she does in films I've seen her in with, with shorter hair. But she actually dropped out of a movie called Don't Worry, Darling to appear in this film. And uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and uh, Peter Skarsgård are married in real life. Uh, so this was, uh, being that this was Maggie's directional debut, it also marks the first time she's ever directed her husband, right? Nepotism. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, interesting. You, know what, you know what movie this reminded me? I was trying what? to think of movies that were like this. And the only thing I could come up with was uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Have you seen that? Mamma Mia. You know what? That's one that I need to see. I, I have- <laughs> It's not it's not like it at all in tone <laughs> at all, but it's a like a mother daughter movie set on the Greek Isles. And so that that kind of made me laugh because they have the visual, you know, setting setting wise, very similar, but content wise, probably could not be more opposite. <laughs> OK, OK, yeah. Um, well, definitely a great selection out of the uh, the choices that were on Netflix for the month of December. And um, so as we progress into our next selection, um, if you don't mind, you know, you're so good at this, Tori. I want to give it a try. I want to try to explain our our next one, if you don't mind. And I think the next one on the list uh, is called Mixtape. Is that right? Yeah. You know what, Brent? Take it away. Go for it. Okay. Okay, great. All right. So the storyline on Mixtape, folks, this one is great. Mikey and his friends have always wanted to go on an adventure And one night, they're all in Mikey's attic, and Mikey stumbles across an old map. Mikey has always wanted to know if One-Eyed Willie ever was the real person, and now he just might. And they set off and later realize that they have to go through the evil Mama Fratelli's restaurant to get a secret. Huh? Hey, Brent, I'm not not sure if this is the right right, right, right movie. What's the name of the movie you're reviewing right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a mixtape, right? <laughs> I don't think that's mixtape. You, you should check your notes oh. again. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, okay, that uh, I'm sorry. I got confused because this movie is so much like one of my favorites. You know, the this movie has the girls and the friendship and everything like that. <laughs> At first, there's some bullying, but then there's just major bonding among the girls. Okay, so so it's uh, like it's like the Goonies, but it's not it's not the Goonies. Yeah, it's like the Goonies, uh, but it's not the Goonies. Okay, my fault, my fault. Okay, we'll we'll um yeah. Do you we'll want to sure try try again? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely want to try again. Okay, 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 sorry, folks. Okay, so this film is actually based on a story by Stephen King, and it's directed by Rob Reiner. It has a very interesting cast of kids, all about age twelve. And they all decide one summer to go looking for a dead body, the body of a kid who is missing and who was hit by a train. Uh, 
and they know about where the body is because one of them overheard one of the older punks talking about discovering it. And almost the entire film consists of the kids trekking cross country to find the body. And along the way, they have some great adventures. They cuss a lot and they experience togetherness. I did it right this time. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. Wait a Maybe, minute. Can you check your notes one more time? Okay, wait a minute. Oh, 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 that was Stand By Me. Oh, sorry, folks. Okay, all right, all right. Third time. <laughs> I'm just trying. I get one more chance, right? You can have one more chance. Okay, 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 okay. All right, sorry, there's just so much similarities with this movie. Um, so here we go, here we go. I think I'm going to get it right this time. So a middle schooler lives with her grandmother who is not a male man, but a male woman. Right. Not, not, a, not a male woman like you think a male woman, but, but a, you know, when you, I mean, if it's a woman doing the mailman's job, wouldn't you call it a male woman? Or I, think male, if, I think male person is what we're saying these person. days. OK, so that's the appropriate language, a male person, <laughs> not a male woman. Right? Male carrier. Uh, OK, OK. <laughs> a male person. Um, and now I will say that. Um, the um, they are still feeling the pain uh, of the uh, of the middle schooler's parents who actually died in a car accident when she was just two years old. Uh, and her mom was a very young mom. Um, uh, she was age 16 when she had her daughter. Now, in this movie, you've got the fearful, overprotective grandmother and our main character, Beverly. She's a loner. She's bullied at school. Now, she actually finds her parents mixtape labeled Love Riot. But as we all dealt with back then, now I don't know if you dealt with this, Tori. I know I sure did, because uh, I grew up on cassette tapes. What did you grow up on, CDs or something like that? Yeah, I think CDs. I did have a, I did have a, a Walkman, but it, mm -hmm. was, it played CDs. Okay. Well, believe it or not, where I grew up in the living room, guess what we had? A record player? We had an eight-track. Ooh. Combination eight track, combination record player, and it played the big records and the little forty fives, and and that's where I first believe it or not that's where I first heard the uh, the Muppets Christmas was off of the, uh, <laughs> off the record, you know, and so I remember as a kid what in a the treat, yes, oh man, and 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 that's where I learned about uh, let's see rap was a big thing, break dancing was a big thing back then. And anyway, okay, so mixtape. So as we're talking about back then when I grew up, the, what happens is the tape gets all tangled up and then it can't be played. So this is what happens in this movie. And she finds a local record store. Now, I remember growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas, we had a place called Been Around Records. And it was just like this store. You go in there and you can pick out all kinds of records and and everything now so beverly goes in and she's she's trying to find a replacement for this tape so she goes into this record store because she just has this longing for a connection to her parents that that died um and so this this record store is run by a guy um i you know i call him oscar the grouch i think he's got a different name in this but man he is just such an oscar the grouch you remember do you remember what his name was his name is Anti. Yeah. Anti. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, 
I think we have a special guest speaker that might like to join in on this particular. I know we wanted to wait until the last movie. Uh, would I, it be okay to introduce her if, if, cause I think seen this one as well. I think, yeah, if we, let's get that okay. guest speaker on Brent. Yeah. Why don't All you do, right. give right. her a proper so, introduction? Yes, absolutely. So I want to formally introduce the wonderful Madison, also known as Maddie Cat. Uh, her name is Madison Catalea. Uh, named after Madison, Wisconsin, and Catalea, which is a beautiful orchid out of Costa Rica, where we had uh, her mom and I had our honeymoon. So that's how she got her name. And we're a big lover of cats around here. We have four indoor cats. So uh, we shortened it to Maddie Cat, even though she'll go by any one of those names. But here she is uh, for her debut Woo! on Pitching Popcorn. Here's Madison. Woo! Welcome, Madison. Hi, podcast. <laughs> I know she's been super excited. She has been super excited about us doing our podcast. Yeah, literally on Tuesday, I literally thought it was going to be like the next day. She did. <laughs> yes, she did. Absolutely. It's so, Thursday. Two more days. That's right. That's right. Now, what would you say? Now, you've seen this one, Madison. What would you say about Mixtape? How did you feel about this one? Okay, Mixtape was actually a really... A movie about like there were like pop stars and rock stars and which I want to be when I grow up I want to be a pop star so this movie relates to me but I don't have like my, my parents aren't dead thankfully thankfully mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited about this actually um I would say mixtape is a really good movie for kids like, no bad words. <laughs> well, they, know, there's no bad words, but I was thinking I so I would agree that it's it's um, kids can watch it. It's probably rated PG-13, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, they talk about death and they talk about mourning and, you know, it's like it's set up against Y2K. So they're like people think the world is going to end. And so there's a lot of heavy themes going on, even though it's not it's not vulgar or, or inappropriate or, you know, there's not like, you know, it, there's nothing in it that would like be like profane or anything where a kid couldn't watch it, but there are some heavy topics that are addressed. That's true. That's true. And that's, I mean, this movie, you know, when I think about, um, because let's see now this girl is, is she's, how old is she in this movie? Is she, she's 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think 12 is such a great age because I think 13 is where it starts to go haywire. Uh, <laughs> I've got, uh, you know, I've got three daughters that are, uh, let's see, uh, 18 and 14 and 9. And, um, but I remember there's a movie out there. I don't know. You may have seen this one, Tori. You, have you seen the movie called 13? 13? Oh, no. You haven't seen it. Holy moly. Not that 13 going on 30? No, no, it's not. I've seen that one too, but this one I think is not called... eighth grade. Hmm. Not eighth grade. Not eighth grade. No, I think. No, I haven't is... seen thirteen. I'll have to. I'll have to send it to you. You'll have to check it out. But um, this, uh, what, what's, uh, what is interesting is that we find that even though uh, anti or AKA Oscar the Grouch is kind of mean on the front end, right? Right. He oh. actually, he actually comes to be more of what I would call a protector in this, like a big brother, right? Okay. 
so I would say about this because I don't want to spoil it, but like the movie is where Anti protects the three girls. I mean, he protects the um he protects Beverly because she she was she was bullied from the singer that was on the stage. I don't want to spoil it too much, so I'm not going to say that much because uh-huh. I want you to, like see it for yourself. Yeah. So and like Anti protects the girls from the star because the rock star was like oh my gosh i didn't know that was your mom and i'm gonna finish it to you that's right that's right i think she's kicking it back to you tori oh yeah well no but what i was i'll add on to that and just agree that um so beverly's on this quest to get to know her parents um through discovering all the songs that are on this mixtape um but it's not easy she has some setbacks like encountering that mean guy at the concert um she has trouble getting her grandma to open up because she doesn't really want to talk about her daughter um so it is you know kind of a fun kids movie but um you know it's not it's not easy by by she has to she has to overcome some stuff with some bullies at school um so there's that too um but um but yeah it's you know in in the end the journey is the journey is is worth it and it's it's better for she you know she strengthens her relationship with her grandma which is really cool um and you know she does she learns about her parents and herself along the way that's true that's true and um just to give our listeners some insight to some of the songs that uh, were on this mixtape that her parents thought were so great uh the first song on the list was called getting nowhere fast by girls at our best um, uh, Linda Linda by the Blue Hearts. Mm-hmm. And then I got it right by the Stooges. Yep. And Teacher's Pet by Quick. Very good. Very good. Well, did you guys know uh, all those songs? We don't know all of those songs. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know any of those songs. Yeah. I, this movie is kind of funny too because it's like, um, so it's set in Spokane in the '90s, and so it's kind of like, uh, you know, like the Seattle grunge movement uh-huh. but also yeah. like not because <laughs> it's spokane it's because so it's kind of like the the knockoff version of that so i thought that was kind of kind of funny yeah um, i mean i think this would have you would think this this would have i don't know i mean these are fairly these are these seem to be fairly older uh songs here but i would have thought maybe some some good songs that they could have had in here was maybe some depeche mode or some uh let's see what are what are some of i'm thinking of some some 80s type stuff um Mm. uh, let's see um depeche mode what else was good i don't know if you would know any of these in the in the 80s are you the are you (laughs) the age of the parents oh geez you're gonna go there (laughs) yeah well (laughs) the the mom okay so i remember the mom was she was you know she was 16 right Mm -hmm. And she had Beverly. And so if we're saying that it was in the 90s, then that means that she was going to be, what, born in 1980, if we're talking about 96? No. Or what? Where, when she, are we... was, she was born... Um, the, the way this movie was placed, it was, it was when... It was in 1999. Oh, okay. It was 1999. Yeah. So the parents were probably born in, like, the late 70s. Oh, they were born in the late seventies. Okay, well then, 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 then I think then, then I'll just have to say. I mean, I was born in seventy five, 
Um, if, if, you know, these movies, I'm not even familiar with any of these, I mean, not movies, these, these songs, but mm-hmm. I would think if they were, if they were, um, making mixtapes, it would have been mixtapes would have been the eighties when they were making it. So then I'm thinking the cure Depeche mode, I'm thinking, uh-huh. um, Bon Jovi, I'm thinking, um, let's see, excess, well, you know, stuff like that. But these seem like kind of an older uh, category. I mean, the Stooges, the Quick, the Blue Hearts, Girls at Our Best. I don't know. Those kind of, to me, sound like 50. Yeah. I don't interesting. Um, interesting. I'm not really a musical person, so I can't, I, can't weigh in. I, <laughs> I can play piano. I can sing. That's right. And I'm about to play the drums. Oh, wow. You're going to start mm. the drums? Yeah, I will I will say um, so Julie Bowen her big big claim to fame is playing Claire in Modern Family which is a hilarious character Um, this is the first time I've seen her in anything else and I really liked seeing her do something new so that was pretty cool to see Um, Mm -hmm. similar character but not totally the same Um, and my favorite part my one of the lines I really liked right at the end, you know, as we discussed at length, she's playing a male male person, male carrier, uh-huh. and um, our buddy buddy anti Oscar the Grouch, he he tells her his real name, and they kind of become friends, and um, he says, "Hey, this isn't this is my real name. I'm going to tell you what it is," and he tells her, and she looks at him dead serious, and she says, "I know." I work for the postal service. (laughs) It's it's hilarious because she's like making this big confession of his real name. And she's like, yeah, I work for the post office. So that was a great, great way to end it for me. Yeah. Because there is some, uh, some awkward moments in there when the great meets the, the guy that runs the record store. Right. And it's like granddaughter kind of thing. Right. She already knew him? Uh-huh. The grandmother already knew the record store owner? Yeah, like, I think her daughter's husband was friends with him. Oh, really? Yeah, because she was like, you're selling her F capacitors? Oh, flux capacitors. She's flux. talking about the Back to the Future uh, reference in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so some cool things I found, um, just uh, not much trivia here, but at one point back in 2012, the film had Sarah Jessica Parker attached to star in Julie Bowen's uh, role as the aunt. And I, love, was, I love that. I yeah, can see it so clearly. <laughs> that would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. And now it, it, the plans kind of fell apart before a shooting could begin. And then there's one quote in this, uh, in this particular movie uh, from the English teacher uh, you can't spell poetry without try, T-R-Y, right? And so um, I think we did a great job explaining that, and I appreciate having our guest host. Now, we saved the best for last, I think. Um, and uh, what's the name of this movie, Madison? Back to the Outback. Back to the Outback, okay. Back to so, the Outback. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to do I I saw about half of this movie. So I was going to do the brief intro but then I need Madison's help to help finish it off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um so Netflix 
last month put out this animated film, uh, Back to the Outback. Uh, one of my aspire, we talked about aspiring vacation destinations coming up. Um, so one of my big aspiring vacations is to go to Australia, um, which is where this movie is set. Um, and it features some of our favorite Australian actors, including, this is a big, this is a big, big uh, list here. Isla Fisher, Eric Bana, Guy Pierce, Keith Urban, and Kylie Minogue. Huge, huge cast list here of famous Australians. Um, and the basic premise here is that some of the animals have escaped from the zoo in Sydney and they're on a mission to go back home. Um, in Back to the Outback, these animals aren't the cute and cuddly animals that we're used to seeing on screen. They're scary. They're, this gang is made up of a snake, a scorpion, a spider, and a lizard. Um, and they all escape. And the owner of the zoo, um, he, he uses them to put on a show um, and exploit them uh, to make people afraid of them. The animals, um, they're nice animals and they don't like that. Um, and so they decide that they want to take, take matters into their own hands and escape from the zoo and head home. Um, so during that escape, they accidentally pick, pick up the star of the zoo, a koala bear named, what's his name, Madison? Uh, pretty boy. Pretty boy. Um, and who nobody likes, but once he's, <laughs> once he's along, they have to take him. Um, and along the way, searching for the outback, they're also searching uh, for the true meaning of love, family, and home, of course. Um, so I didn't get to finish this movie, like I said. So I have no idea if they make it back to the outback or not before the zookeeper catches them. Um, but Madison, what did you think about this movie? Uh, I think I would recommend it to kids. You would recommend it? Yeah, I think it would, it would be very good for kids because it's about love, family, and like friendship and traveling so did you think it was funny (laughs) well kind of sad but yeah (laughs) it's kind of sad oh no i don't spoil it for me but i want i don't i'm worried that they're not going to make it home well you don't know the ending (laughs) okay so what what makes this movie special why should people watch it uh because it is about family like in the first question you have. <laughs> that is a sweet answer. All right, and then what? Who's your favorite character in this movie? And why? Er. Sure. Okay. Okay. Maddie the snake because she is sweet, kind, brave, and deals with mean names like me. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, this is important because uh, you know when you're nine you do kind of run into some, some bullies, right? So what are some things that you deal with at school that make you say that? Okay. Getting called Karen is one of my most (laughs) things. Yeah. Cause I have short hair. I'm (laughs) trying really hard not to laugh. Yeah. But that, I mean, kids are mean, kids are mean, you know? And, um, so she used to have, she used to have really long hair and then she cut it short because it was tangly. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So, but, um, so what, what do some of the, uh, the animals in this movie, what did they deal with? They, there's some bullies that they deal with. So they're, they're these people, the zookeepers and 
they're acting really nice. Like, one says to Maddie the snake, and I was like, okay, you're going to do great out there. Just show me those big teeth. <laughs> and then she, then she smiles and it's so sweet and sincere and she loves the zookeeper right yeah and then the zookeeper is like to the whole venomous snake in the whole bam <laughs> yeah so the zookeeper the zookeeper is not being very no, nice to them tell me those teeth yeah <laughs> And so, from what I could find in here, um, some of the uh, the facts that I found about this, um, the Australian wildfire is inspired by the Taronga Zoo in Sydney, Australia. Um, I found that the San Diego Zoo has the world's largest koala colony outside of Australia. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And the director's names are Claire, Claire and, and Harry. Harry. And those names are hidden in several places in the film. Hmm. And there are at least 20 different types of Australian animal species that are featured in the movie. Like a tapon snake, scorpion, funnel web spider, thorny devil lizard, koalas, crocodile, Tasmanian devil, bush pigs, platypus, frill neck lizard, great white shark, Cane toad, kangaroo, wombat, bilbies, bil- <laughs> I don't know how to say it, quokka, dung beetles, flying foxes, wedge-tailed eagle, and a red-back spider. Wow. That's that some, awesome. They have some amazing animals down there. Yeah. Speedies. I well I told you guys the other day I didn't I haven't seen a kangaroo yet as far as I've gotten so I'll have to yeah. tune in and find that kangaroo. I swear there's not even a kangaroo in the movie. We'll have to fact check this. I'll not, let you know. No, it says right here that the but I didn't see any and I had I had my eyes peeled. So do you remember seeing a kangaroo later in the movie? Like on the second half of it? No. Really? Literally. There was hmm. no kangaroo. I don't know why it's on that. Hmm. Well, I thought if, um, I wonder, I don't know if this will work, but <clears throat> I thought we could do uh, a song for Tori and our listeners. Cool. If we somehow make this work, let me see if I can, let me see if I can we'll get love this. That. We'll have to I guess we'll do I that another time. My, my microphone. No, I don't think, and I don't <laughs> think, I think we're going to, we would have to have, um, the uh the karaoke thing let me see mm, i don't think it was gonna work i thought i could run an app at the same time because we have a karaoke app um on my cell phone oh, but it looks cool. like it wasn't it didn't work what i can go get another phone we could do it anyway. oh you want to try it yeah okay try it. all right well I'm gonna that, all right she's whoa, whoa. okay she tripped <laughs> you, over know that, for it. you know that <laughs> um kristen wig character from snl where she's like don't make me sing do you oh, know what I'm talking Yeah. I, lo- I love but, that character, but I feel like that's that's Madison right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. She's Let's, like, oh, oh, should I get the karaoke machine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I got her a, a karaoke machine for her birthday. And then she, she loved it. And uh, yeah. yeah, she had a lot of friends over. 
And so I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to. We haven't done this in a while. But one of our places that we do usually do karaoke, they closed the the burger place. Yeah, it was um, called Thirty Burger. Thirty Burger, yeah. So, shout out to that. It's off of Interstate Thirty, so that's why they call it Thirty Burger. But they closed because of you know COVID. You can't get enough people to work these days, and um, they couldn't keep the place open and. It's sad because it started out uh, that uh, that restaurant started out as kind of a, um, you know, some people call them roach coaches. But, uh, you know, uh, Austin is a big town where you see a lot of those uh, food trucks. And so they started out as a food truck and they developed into a restaurant and then grew and grew. Okay, so So, ready to do this now. We're going to try it here. All right. All right, and I don't know. I may have to stand up for this. I may not be able to get to my my pitch that I need to get at, but we'll try it anyway. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. There. Good job. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? What do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times, I feel myself. Tell me something, boy. Are you tired of the divorce? I do the same thing, so I don't care. 
share that hopefully it's not too uh one of our worst performances there like it was very impressive both of you right well did we do it justice this time i think we did yeah i think so like you say we put some caramel on it we put some chocolate on it put some butter on it that's right what's uh before we before we leave why don't we uh let people talk about next time absolutely let's do it so I, if, if I, if I'm correct now, I've been wrong before, <laughs> but, um, I was, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this next episode that we've got coming up because we have what, what, uh, Tori has created is it's called the pitching popcorn episodes, brainstorm sheet. <gasps> and, uh, it's a, it's a shared document. It's a shared Google doc that we, that we, uh, are constantly editing, right? And so the um, the the next episode is going to be episode number five, a new year for new favorites, where Brent and Tori watch each other's favorite movies and review for the other person. And so what we're going to do is we're going to choose our number one favorite movie for each of us, and then each of us is going to take time to explain why we like it. And the other is going to give their review and it's going to be really something that you just can't miss. And we don't know exactly when we're, I think we're shooting for late January to do this particular episode. Have you, have you looked at your uh, calendar day planner to see what you think might work for you? Don't want to put you on the spot. I think late January, probably last week of January. Okay, cool. Late January. So be on the lookout for um, the next episode. Again, we're really excited. I think this was our longest episode ever, uh, but we threw a lot of great information in there. And uh, so again, thank you, Tori, for doing the Pitching Popcorn podcast with me. It's awesome to work with you. And uh, we, we do really, we put a lot of time into it. And we want to thank all of our listeners out there and uh, we're definitely growing in, in different countries all over the world. And, and uh, we've got, you know, I think we've got out of the 195, we may have, uh, I don't know, 172 to go. I'm not sure. but uh. <laughs> Hey, we're off to a pretty good start. That's great. And yeah, uh, thank you, Brent. And thank you, Madison, for joining. What a treat. Yay. Was it fun? Yeah. All right. Madison all right. really put some, put some caramel on it, you know. Put some caramel on it. Put some caramel on it, put some milk chocolate on it, and put some butter. All right. All right. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Pitchin' Popcorn with Brent and Tori. We'll see you next time.